0: Hey guys, Paul here. Just a little bit of fact checking before the show starts. Uh, In this episode, I refer to Hollow Crown coming out in 2007. It actually came out right at the start of 2009. I also call Architects Record their new record for those who wish to exist, but it's actually for those that wish to exist. Small details, but we care. You're probably thinking, why not just edit it out? Why not just change it? Well, the fact that I use the wrong year for Hollow Crown in the intro, then means later on when Nick's talking about it, he uses the wrong year too. So if I delete my part, I leave him sounding like an idiot when it was actually me that was the idiot. But enough from me, here's our episode on Architects. Architects are a five piece metalcore band from Brighton, England. Formed by twin brothers Tom and Dan Searle in 2004, the band has just released its ninth full length record for those who wish to exist, their first UK number one. With a discography that has seen the band go from humble, Dillinger Escape Plan-inspired Myspace-era beginnings to being one of today's premier heavy music acts, architects have overcome severe tragedy with a level of resilience that is inspiring and a work ethic you'd be challenged to match. Architect's third full-length record, Hollow Crown, released in 2007, demonstrates the peak of their early chaotic sound, with the record pairing the synergy of the Searle Twins on guitar and drums with the vocal talent of singer-screamer Sam Carter. Despite standing shoulder-to-shoulder with bands like Bring Me The Horizon and Parkway Drive in the late 2000s, architects have worked tirelessly to build a fanbase across the world and did not begin to receive sustained commercial success until 2014's Lost Forever Lost Together. This record planted the seed for a sound that would become synonymous with the band before 2016's All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us would solidify the band as metal icons. Not long after the release of All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us, primary songwriter and guitarist Tom Searle would pass away at the age of 28, with the band revealing that he had been battling skin cancer for three years. The record was written entirely by Tom Searle, and reveals the thoughts of a man coming to terms with his own mortality. Through tragedy, architects have persevered and seem to finally be receiving the acclaim they have worked so hard for for 17 years. I'm Paul. Alongside me is Nick, and today on Violence and Sunshine, we're exploring architects.
1: All right, man. Maybe a little bit of I'm uh, just a bit of truth-telling here when it comes to architects. Uh, this week, we obviously, uh, I think, and for a lot of architects fans, you know, Hollow Crown era was kind of where it sort of started for us, and, and that love affair started. But then for me, there's just a huge gap between then kind of listening to anything else and getting into anything else. And I remember it was only last year, uh, driving to work, kind of hearing a song on the radio and going, fuck, what is this? This sounds kind of, this sounds kind of sick. Like, I don't think I know this song, but it's had some familiar aspects to it of just kind of like a newish metal sound, bringers-esque, you know, not quite understanding who it was did a cheeky little Shazam on the phone, and what pops up is Animals by Architects. And I was like, oh, fuck, Architects? Yeah, shit, I know them. I, I love those guys. Like, that Hollow Crown album's really sick. And going, okay, w- you know, what What else have these guys been doing? Ho- you know, Hollow Crown was some, you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago, whatever it equals by then, and uh, was pleasantly surprised to see a whole bunch more albums since then. And, um, yeah, kind of just, you know, I think probably would have been texting you at the time saying like, dude, I've just heard this new Architects song. What do you reckon? And you'd be like, yeah, man, Architects is sick. I've I've never stopped being into them. They're still a band. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're still a band. And, And then, yeah, I just had to kind of, you know, just go back through a little bit and listen to some stuff outside of, outside of Hollow Crown. And it just kind of just reignited that, that love affair of a band that we you know really really enjoyed back in back in 2007 when Hollow Crown came out you know saw them live all sorts of joy and, and love for that band but for whatever reason myself just took that album only and went that's all i needed which which is kind of a, a little bit disappointing cuz yeah i'm i'm sure your experience very very different when it comes to to Architects
0: i do think i was a bit on a bit of an island with this band consistently continuing to listen to them post Hollow Crown. Because I guess you heard Animals 11 years after you listened to the band and were just shocked that they're still around. But I think it's testament to how hard working this band is. I struggle to kind of think of a band who has had to work this hard to get this far and to persist for that long. I, You know, I think about some of the bands we've covered, like Under Oath, they've really kind of stuck it out and kept working, but they had early success. Bring to the Horizon have really been successful over a long career but steadily built their success i think jimmy Eat world were an interesting one where they basically had like a run at fame and nearly cooked it like they had three albums on a record label that didn't work out before that kind of fourth one got them over the line but architects are an interesting one because i think it was their third record that got us into them their sixth that solidified them as you know one of the best bands in heavy music and their recent ninth record was the first time they hit number one in their home country. Architects just kept slogging and were really good and had a really dedicated group of fans. But I know even like in the UK, they'd be playing to a couple of thousand people. In the US, they'd be struggling to get a few hundred people, you know, shows that weren't selling out and shows that weren't going well. So it's really impressive that they've stuck it out and finally are getting that radio play that success those number ones that they deserve because it can be really hard work you have to be a damn good band and you have to work super hard to do that
1: well it's interesting you say that because because you you've covered you've just covered like a few bands that we've spoke about who have been you know hardworking bands who have really uh you know kind of done it tough had those years of of really kind of slog away before potentially getting that success or, or some of them never even really reaching full you know stardom you know um popularity you know, being famous. uh, It kind of made me think this week a little bit differently. I was thinking, okay, well, here's Architects, a very hardworking band that have, you know, basically spent 15 years continually to work on their craft and hope to, to, you know, make it, you know, really become a, a popular band. And on the flip side, you've got bands that don't necessarily have to work all that hard or artists that have never really had to ultimately do anything overly difficult to get ahead. And I, I was just thinking it. It came across on on TV a few months back. Uh, you know, there's there's this Sydney artist rule. Now I, I want to put it out there very early. Like I'm not knocking the guy. I don't know him personally. I don't really know fully his story. But there was this this clip initially that I was watching that was on on ABC uh, of him. You know, kind of being interviewed by these Triple J hosts. And then uh, from that, I was on YouTube, and there was this earlier clip, this 7.30 report that ABC did, uh, when he was kind of first starting and coming up in the scene. And it just showcased a potential different path that maybe some artists have now put together a little clip. It's an edited clip. and, And yeah, you can head to, uh, YouTube to watch the full interview, uh, on, on ABC's, uh, YouTube, but let's just play that clip now and then, and then talk to that. Rule, spelt R-U-E-L, his actual name, was discovered at age 12 after his father sent a demo to Australian Grammy-winning songwriter and producer M Phazers. I just said, what do you think of this voice, you know? And they went, this is interesting. is it?" how do you know him? And I said, oh, uh, he's my son. And we went, what? For the past two years, Rule has developed his talents behind closed doors. But in June, it was this performance on Triple J's Like Version that launched an international bidding war. Like A Version was the thing that
0: made it... It just skyrocketed. Like, it was crazy. His Instagram went nuts. He had, like, I think, like, 5,000 followers within a week. It wasn't long after that where he was getting flown all over the place.
1: Like he got flown to London and then Los Angeles and met with all these labels and managers. Go. The music industry execs liked what they heard. Rule has just signed an international record deal with RCA Records, an American label owned by Sony Music. Where do you see yourself in, say, the next five years?
0: I see myself released probably an album or two. Just being happy for what I've done and making the most of the opportunities and the platforms that I've been given. Now, I've heard of parents sending demos to people. I've heard of... Kids getting discovered on YouTube, but who is this guy's dad that he can send <laughs> something to a producer and immediately be having a dialogue like, "Hey, I've sent you this thing." Yeah, who's this? It's like, uh, why did he get an immediate response? Is his dad somebody? Yeah,
1: yeah. That that's the that's probably the biggest takeaway from from that clip. It, like, so so this guy's dad is, is a guy called Ralph Van. Duke, or I'm not quite sure exactly how to say his name. I think he's of Dutch uh, heritage. And he basically is the creative director and founder of Eardrum. Uh, and, and Eardrum is like a hugely well-known Australian um, radio agency. It basically... Uh, so but, a giant
0: in the music industry.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's pretty he's pretty big. Uh, he's known in the industry, has been for a long time. So that kind of just off-the-cuff reference of just like, oh, I just sent this on to... And the person he sent it on to... So. M phases, like M, M phases is, a, is an Australian producer. And this, this guy's, this guy's huge. So you heard it in the clip, Grammy award winning, uh, producer, you know, he works with like Demi Lovato, Madonna, Eminem, like, you know, this, this guy is huge. So it's not just, Oh, I'll just send it on to triple J. I know a producer there as well. Who's kind of in the industry. Maybe they'll listen to it. Maybe they'll play it, you know, late night on a, on a, you know, if we have a demo or something, they might put it on late night and see what happens. No,
0: he's sending it to the top, who are then also kind of sending it on to the top, you know. so It's that Donald Trump, like, oh, I, I made my fortune with a small loan of a million dollars from my dad. Like, <laughs> yeah, no no beef with that kid. And, like, and what parent wouldn't want to help give their kid a leg up? But to just so flippantly be like, yeah, just, you know, shut it off to this producer. Like, that's, that's someone you know. That's someone who's got a name. That's someone who's got skills that you've already got a dialogue with. That's not just a casual little, like, what a, what a like amazing out of nowhere success story. That's a complete like yeah. privileged hookup right there.
1: Yeah. And he even talks about it. like, you know, he, he's young. Like, so this, this clip was put together from an interview from several years ago. You know, the, the guy's now older and, and still an artist and I, I believe doing very well. Um, But he even mentions at the end there, you know, wants, wants to acknowledge kind of the, the platforms and the privilege he was given. So it, 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 at least like there is some acknowledgement there. They're not completely, you know, living in a bubble of just like, oh, yeah, no, this is just what everyone does, yeah? Like, it, it was hard. I, it took me a year before I got my international <laughs> <whole> record <laughs> deal. <laughs> uh, you know, it took a year before someone was flying me to London and America to meet managers and stuff. Like, that's hard, isn't it? Like, there, there isn't that level of just complete, you know, uh, you know, not understanding the industry. They, they knew, they know what's going on. He's aware that there was some privilege given to him. So as we said, not not a knock on the guy, just, just a little bit of, I guess, a way to showcase two quite different paths through. And and this can be lumped together. I think artists would nearly probably fall into either of these categories. I think you ultimately will have artists that had a leg up through through contacts and, and uh, things that were really gifted to them without them ultimately having to try that hard. And then you've got your super, super hardworking artists and bands that have had to, you know, just absolutely beg, bow and steal to get any form of um, leg up or, or, uh, or attention given to them. So
0: I do think that clip says so much about the Australian industry. Like I just think about how many artists... The Australian music scene has chewed up and spit out. I'm really glad to hear that kid's got an international record deal on the cards. But then I also have the alarm bells ringing about all the bands we've spoken about that have been signed to a record label, distributed, had all this fame, and then couldn't match it and were completely dropped. And when I hear that, kind of like, where do you think you'll be in five years? I'm scared for that kid. You know, maybe not that kid specifically, but... Any artist who thinks there's like a sustainable five-year plan in the music <laughs> industry right now—they think, "Oh yeah, there's a couple of albums under my belt and stuff." I reckon you will have been chewed up and spit out by uh, by the Australian public. Like, if the record company doesn't do it, it'll be the Australian public who, once you're big enough, you know, Vance Joy, Courtney Barnett, Violent Soho—any of these bands that are kind of like Australia's biggest export—as soon as they're too big, people. Are like I don't give a shit about them anymore. It's it's the Australian way. So
1: the thing that sustains those bands is ultimately the success and effort that they've put into their overseas fans, isn't it? Like ultimately, they're the they're the bands that are still doing really well despite potentially their their waning kind of popularity here in Australia. It, it's more built on they what have to been leave. With, Yeah, a band in our industry that I think we can put to that a little bit is Parkway Drive. You know, Parkway Drive. Uh, I know still could easily play in Australia and get. Good support. The Australian fans still love them, but I don't think the industry in Australia ultimately gives that much yeah. shit about Parkway anymore. A lot of their a lot of their success is is in Europe and and is overseas where fucking metal fans love love bands like that, and will continue to and will continue to support them massively. Um, yeah, it, it, it the other the other point too, a little bit through that is you know that particular artist that we we're touching on, you know, getting that opportunity to play. Uh, on triple j and do that um do that like a version and, and triple j uh you know there's there's a lot of uh, uh i guess our generation you know that kind of thirty year old person who is still really the people that are listening to triple j they're not really that uh important anymore, but they definitely still hold and are the gatekeepers to deciding where a lot of Australian bands will go or will not go and that and that and it really is frustrating to still see. Some of these fucking out of date radio presenters who still seem to hold uh, you know hold the keys to whether a band will make it or not and and we've had you know friends bands who we feel uh you know have have put in their effort and put in their time uh, and and are starting to get ahead through other um, record deals and other tours and and becoming more popular and still can't get shit oh, played on because Triple there's J another
0: Chats esque shitty band singing a joke song in a garage punk style that we need to pump out for the next couple of years. What a drag Triple J is for a national broadcaster, but I'm glad you mentioned Parkway <laughs> Drive. There's a dope documentary on netflix about them right now which is about the work ethic they put in and all the kind of like risks they took to make it big in europe so that was a real good point and i think a good little segue into back into talking about architects and their work ethic i know you kind of did a bit of a listen back over the last week because of you realizing that you had that gap in listening to them so what did you kind of discover and come across as you listen back
1: yeah ultimately it, it it was first just going oh it's been maybe only a year or so since listening to hollow crown in full because that was the one album that i continued to uh listen to and really just uh that's who architects were for me was was that album and that was great and really enjoy it and probably still one of the standout albums but yeah, I like as I said it, it was it was Animals that kind of initially sort of made me even think about architects again and that Animal Animals song comes from their newest album for, for those that wish to exist that was released just this year. Um Animals was dropped last year however, so there was kind of a gap. Uh but what Animals did do for me was made me kind of reopen Spotify and go, "Oh, okay, what else is in here?" And I think I even just started texting you again and being like, uh dude, uh have you heard Animals and you're like, "Yeah man, sick track." Um not not as good as, you know, All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us though, and I'm like, "Uh which which one which one's that? There's a I lot of albums. I swear I mentioned like, these records to you at the
0: time as well, and you're just like, "Yeah man, I'll listen to those."
1: <laughs> yeah, 100%. This 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 band Falls definitely into that period of bands that you were still 100% on and fully into and knew, you know, exactly when they were bringing out new music and was excited by that and wanted to share that with someone who enjoyed it with you all those years ago and me just, yeah, giving you a very empty like, oh, cool yeah, cool, dude, I'll, I'll be sure to listen to that never. Um, so, yeah, it, it's been an awesome week. Like, this, this band is fucking sick and, and a little bit unique in the sense of probably outside of this year's release a band, a heavy band that remained to kind of stay heavy. You know, they they haven't really drifted too much away from being ultimately a really heavy metalcore band. They've they've done it. They've done their little uh, levels of being, uh, you know, little pop influence here and there, little more melodic influence here and there. They've done it very clever without completely selling who they are as in a band. And that was probably the most enjoyable thing this week. Listening back through a lot of these albums, Lost Forever, Lost Together, All Our Gods, Hollow Crown, even Ruined. that I think becomes comes before Hollow Crown. Uh, they're probably the main four I listened to this week. And they're all just really fucking heavy albums still. They slightly change in their tone and, 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 and what they are, but it's still architects. It's still uh, a metalcore band who haven't really lost who they are and that was really that was really pleasing to kind of hear because we you know we we talked just just a few weeks back about you know under oath's most recent uh album and and that huge weight that fans you know oh my god this this is anticipation of this under oath album that's going to drop and it just (laughs) just being fucking shit and really giving us nothing that we enjoyed uh from from the the heyday years of under oath Polar opposite again for architects. Like, you know, all these albums I've mentioned are really fucking cool. In their own right, cool. Yes, definitely not just writing the same album again,
0: um, but never really losing track of, of where they come from. I think their commitment to heaviness is part of how long it took them to be successful because you saw bands like Bring Me The Horizon, who they were right there with in 2009 in terms of style. Bring Me The Horizon really went off a different direction. You know, you could see the similarities like the orchestration, the synths and things like that that both architects and Bring Me the Horizon used. But Bring Me the Horizon really leaned into kind of pioneering and architects really leaned into refining. So Bring Me the Horizon went off into a new kind of stratosphere of, of influence and output, whereas architects were like, let's be the best in, in this realm. And, and a bit of a history lesson. So they started with Nightmares in 2005. And that had Matt Johnson, their original vocalist, and that built the band's kind of fame, that their early fame in that MySpace era. But quickly they moved on and they got Sam Carter. And, and even today there's still an argument about who the better singer is. I barely even listen to Nightmares and I think most present day fans wouldn't even know it's a thing. So Ruin was a a great album, really shows those tech metal roots. Buried at Sea is a really, really good song. Got some lows that Sam just doesn't do anymore. And then Hollow Crown in 2009. Just wow, man. Like, I remember hearing that. And it was right there with Suicide Season. But I do remember it didn't quite have the same grab. Like, you and I went to see Bring Me the Horizon in 2009 and it, when we got our girlfriends into them as well, and they came with us, you're now wife. <laughs> and I actually remember showing Aaron architects, like the two of us showing your wife architects and her just being like, yeah, I can't deal with this guy's voice as much. And it's just because they were that little bit heavier. So even though to us, you know, the average metal fan, it was like, wow, these guys are right there. You know, the casual listeners like, "Nana, I can't quite go that heavy. And that's what architects really, really leaned into.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's an, a really good point that potentially is part of their uh, struggles to step away from being the support band and being the main band, because we as fans didn't really understand why like, we, we couldn't really we couldn't really see through the fog. We were like, these guys are just fucking as good. These guys are actually better than a lot of these other bands that are getting ahead of them like these the skill level the song structures the the catchy melodies like these guys are amazing how are they not doing their own tours how are they not got more popularity how, do, how did not more of our friends know who they are you know there 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 was a, a bit of a you know um a, a group around who, who didn't even really know that much about architects or weren't it weren't into them uh, and we couldn't really understand that but i think that that level of being so true to who they were as ultimately a metal band was probably a little bit polarizing to those fringe fans that you speak of, those people that don't mind heavy music but still need enough kind of pop influence or, or melodic influence to come through for them to listen to it more regularly or, or, or want to see it live. Uh, you know, architects at times, yeah, it, it is ult- it, it is just heavy music, really. From from go to woe, it's, it's always heavy. You know, you're not really getting... breath from that in your in your ears so i can sort of see why uh you know that that casual fan might be a bit like oh oh yeah, that's a bit my,
0: that, you know, that that's that's fucking heavy all the time. Well, they tried to take a breath in 2011 and they released the here and now. And, and all I can say about this record and all the band would say is whoops. Like it's, there's a song in there called Heartburn and they're basically like a boy band, man. And the band has completely just been like, oh no, we're not into that record. It doesn't sound the way we wanted to. As soon as it was released, they stopped like doing interviews for it and stopped doing press. But there's still some really cool stuff on there. It's just, they were like, yeah, let's have some big rock emo choruses and things like that. And I don't think new fans were looking for architects. I think existing fans were looking for them to keep building on what they had delivered on hollow crown in 2009, because like I'd said earlier, that's their third record. And it was, you know, that was them really finding their groove. And this fourth record was a complete departure of what they'd been working up to.
1: It's, it's cool to hear that they well not necessarily cool, but it's interesting, I guess, to hear that they were so, uh, open about their own, um, you know, they they weren't fully into that album once it came out. They they did they didn't really uh, enjoy the product that that came out. They didn't really feel that uh, that's true to who they were as as a band. So to have these these boys come out and go. Yeah, not our best work. Um, You know, we might, uh, we'll try again. Don't worry, there will be more music from us and there'll be another album and we reckon we'll get you back. And as you've shown, they bloody did.
0: Well, before we continue talking about their vast back catalogue, we've got some shinfo this week. Now, our good friend Greblo is on a silent yoga retreat this week and couldn't contribute, (laughs) unfortunately. So I thought our international listeners really struggle to understand Greblo based on that kind of like bogan lean to the Australian accent. And if we couldn't have Greblo this week, I thought, who's the second biggest bogan I know? And that's my girlfriend, Ruth. So this week, here's Shinfo with Ruthie. Right, so architects, eh? Architects are like a watermelon. Hard on the outside and soft on the inside. You know what I mean? A big, giant fruit that can keep lots of people happy, but a bit of a tough one to crack. But once you do open it up, it's refreshing, it's sweet, beautiful. So, in closing, Hollow Crown is a ripper album, and my favourite song is Follow the Water Melon.
1: <laughs> oh, that was lovely, Ruthie. That was really, really nice. I'm surprised she didn't sign off with a, like, yeah, a real Nora Jones, and just
0: no one understanding the reference. But, uh, <laughs> she made sure it was a food analogy. Food analogy was, was
1: very, very well done, and... Uh, and again, these food analogies bloody work. You know, you, you you link these bands back to something food related, and and that was that's not that's not uh, too far Architects from the truth. Architects are
0: like a watermelon. Thank you, Ruthie, and we <laughs> hope you're enjoying the silence, scrabble and we hope to have you back soon.
1: Yes, yeah, we we do, we do miss you, mate. Um, but I'm I'm hopeful we'll have you back next week. Uh, but if not, we will lean on Ruthie again. That was that was nice. She's coming for your job, man. <laughs> So I guess going back uh, this week, especially um, for me, having, you know, a real kind of 10 year hiatus from from architects and wanting to uh, understand more and listen to more of them. There really was two kind of albums in the middle of of this nine album stretch uh, that stood out to me. I think a little bit of it was remembering back to you, really saying to me, like, these albums are good, you should listen to them, Uh, you know, a good five years or more late to the party but lost forever lost together and all our gods have abandoned us really stood out in the middle this kind of one-two punch that we often talk about bands delivering with with back-to-back albums that really solidify who they are what their sound is i guess was really at their at their a game them delivering everything that fans want every aspect of them that's at their best and doing it across full albums uh, where there's really no weak points. Uh, we've covered a lot of bands that, that have had this success doing this earlier in their careers with either the first and second album or second and third
0: album. What changed about the approach to songwriting was really interesting, and it's something that if we had have covered this band earlier on in the show, I might have criticized or thought was odd. But after the first few albums, they changed their primary songwriters. So rather than being kind of like, band writes the music, singer writes the lyrics, by this point, Lost Forever Lost Together, the guitarist Tom Searle was writing everything. So he would have a really clear vision about what this needed to sound like and having that synergy with his twin brother on drums. You know, you and I have been in a band with brothers who are on guitar and drums and their ability to practice together and be in sync with each other is completely unparalleled that you just you can't find two people that have that kind of connection and then these guys are twins on top of that so we know the importance of that so basically these records were being written by one individual with one single vision and sometimes that can be really really profound and in this case it was i remember the day i bought lost forever lost together got you know three songs in pulled up at my house cuz it wasn't a long drive from the cd store and i stayed in my car for that 50 minutes and listened to the whole fucking thing it was so good. It was just so profound. Like there's songs on there like Gravedigger, Naysayer, Broken Cross, Castles in the Air, that now, like I think I think the album is very steady. It had a bit of that Sayerson vibe where you're like, oh actually this is very much like kind of one continuous song. And it wasn't until All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us came along where that's basically Lost Forever, Lost Together on steroids, where they refined everything and nailed everything perfectly. You nailed it with that one, two punch thing, I think. Lost forever, lost together, planted a seed, and then all our gods have abandoned us. The tree grew. And that record is just incredible. I was having a really hard time in life when it came out, which is really funny because back when we were quote unquote emos as teenagers, (laughs) and this was like sad, depressing music, we weren't unhappy. You know, (laughs) things were good. But this was a point in my life where I was really struggling as an adult. You know, it's 2016, I'm six years into a career, life isn't going super well. And i needed that anger and that catharsis i didn't understand the scope of where that anger was coming from initially with that record but the surface level understanding was just like holy shit i'm feeling like stuff sucks right now this album's expressing that and it wasn't making me sadder it was actually helping and i think people miss that point a lot with heavy music where they think that this sad angry stuff is making people sadder and angrier but in actual fact, it's something to relate to. Yeah,
1: there's been <clears throat> a different band and a slightly different genre. But there's there's when when My Chemical Romance were really rising to fame, uh, there was a lot of links in America being made towards uh, a bit like the old school Marilyn Manson is the reason for schoolyard shootings. There was these links towards My Chemical Romance being the reason why teenagers were so sad. And I remember kind of across the country, these huge like protest walks were were demonstrators of fans that basically came out and said no 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 you guys have got this fucking entirely wrong just as you put then this is the music that's helping those of us that are potentially struggling with some shit at the moment really kind of work through some of those issues and ultimately feel a little bit more positive and a little bit more happy at the end of the day and feel connected yeah, to feel something yeah feel real connected to something feel like someone was actually listening to 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 our concerns and our and our worries and stuff, and and that and I remember some of the news uh, agencies in America that were really attacking them really shut shut their mouths quite quickly after people came out and and kind of cleared the air, I guess a bit. And that's you know that that what you talk about is very uh, very common for fans across this music. I, I remember you know we we had, we had mates who were you know more footy boys, a little bit more uh, you know. Um, more into their sport, more into just radio-friendly stuff, and we would talk about stuff we would listen to, and you get that generic shit, wouldn't you? You get that just like, oh, what make you make you boys even sadder listening to that shit, does it? And you're just like, oh, I can't imagine a worse weekend putting on fucking Architects, and you're just like, oh man, Arch- Architects pumps me up, man. And like it, like Bringers pumps me up, Parkway pumps me up every time I die. We we touched in a lot on that episode, huge fucking party pump up band. Like this isn't ultimately music that even though it might have a darker tone to it or 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 the the sound of it people might associate with that the feeling i get when i listen to it is ultimately that it gets me out of feeling kind of a bit down or 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 a bit low mood um or low energy like this this shit will really get you up and about a bit
0: (laughs) i and i'm i'm really grateful to have a partner that understands that she's thankfully been exposed to heavy music via a friend of ours and sometimes i'll be having a shit day she's like oh are you alright? you know do you want to pop some screamo on I'm like, oh you get it thank yes, you so please. much for understanding yes, please. i really do <laughs> but i think there's a lot more to talk about with all our gods have abandoned us and i think it's going to get a little deeper and a little heavier so before we go there would you like to play a quick little game yeah let's do it Listeners in our over 60 bracket might recognize that theme song as the theme for Grand Designs. But oh uh, man, I'm way well if- under 60 <laughs> and I fucking love Grand Designs. <laughs> Sign what me a up! Show. <laughs> what the show on that note. I've got a quick little rapid game for you today. It is called Artist or Architect. Basically, I'm going to give you the name of something and you need to tell me is that an architect or is that an artist, you know, meaning a band. Generally. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was thinking if this was like a painter or an architect, I'm fucking screwed, (laughs) man. No, I just wanted the
0: alliteration on the name. Yeah. They're they're all bands or musicians. So even if you say band or musician, that is okay as well. So, all right. At least it's not lyrics. Let's give me a a slight chance here. How do you know that's not the bonus round? (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Here's some lyrics about building. Oh, no. All right. No, I'll go easy on you. Let's do it. Let's go. Bruce Henderson.
1: Architect.
0: Rob Mills. Artist. Yeah, he's actually both. He's an artist and an architect. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Australian Idol right there. Yeah, yeah. Zway.
1: Oh, fuck. Artist? Mm. Architect. Okay.
0: Zwan. (laughs) What was it? Zwan? Zwan. Artist. That is Billy Corgan's old band. Architectus. (laughs)
1: Architectist. Uh, Artist.
0: Architect. (laughs) Hayball. Artist. (laughs) Architect. Madball. (laughs) Architect. (laughs) Oh, no, shit. (laughs) That's an artist. That's a New York hardcore band. Green Sheep Collective.
1: Artist. (laughs)
0: architect, and lucky last, architecture in Helsinki.
1: Artist. <laughs> ben. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I had oh, so many more racing. down there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hardest racing, I think, is an architecture in Helsinki
0: song. Hey, there you go. There you go. Wow. <laughs> yeah, stressful games, those ones, aren't they? Oh, but a bit of fun. Whew.
1: Um, nah, that was... Uh, fuck, that was hard. That was, a, was much harder than I thought it was going to be. I was like, I'm going to get like... I'm going to get some like real old European name for an, an architect. And then I'm going to get just like the most obvious. Oh, that's a band. that what was it? green something collective. I was just like, that's a band for sure.
0: I mean, some people might argue that an architect is an artist. So yeah, I mean, yeah. what is any of this anyway?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got you got my heart uh, racing for a Sunday morning. So um, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> got the blood flowing. Well, let's take it down to a little serious note right now. Um, all That Gods Have Abandoned Us was entirely written by Tom Searle, who three weeks after the album's released, succumbed to his three-year battle with skin cancer. Most fans, or all fans, really didn't know this was happening. The band kept pretty tight wraps on it. Um, and, you know, some fans noticed that Tom had been missing from certain shows. They'd played it as a four-piece a couple of times. They'd played with a touring guitarist. But ultimately, it was quite shocking news for the world. You know, I'd mentioned how important this record was for me in terms of like how I was feeling at the time. To then get that second layer of knowledge that this had been written by someone coming to terms with their mortality really reframed the anger for me. I stopped looking at this album as an angry record, as something that more was to release certain feelings and to, to process certain feelings because being a young person going through that also being a public figure going through that and keeping that secret. It's really complicated. You know, being in a band with your brother, him having to see that all the time, it really complicated things. And you read some of these lyrics and there's times of acceptance. There's times of complete kind of frustration and anger. And it really reframed everything. Like I think about the lyrics in Gone With The Wind, like the weight of the world is resting on thin ice. When the surface breaks, will I find paradise? As I freeze to death, left to reflect what a waste of time I was in retrospect and you know just hearing that as metal lyrics you're like yeah man fucking brutal when you're like fuck this is a guy that was dying writing that you're like okay that's that's true brutality like you know not to not to kind of romanticize death or anything like that but just this is where this music and this art sometimes comes from good art doesn't have to come from a struggle but it has created a lot of good art and I think I read these lyrics and I think about it all the time. I think about what he must have been going through at the time. I mean, he, his death affected me, not in a way that I'd been admiring him personally for a long time. I'd loved this band for a long time. But this was a guy a year older than me, at the top of his game, doing everything he loved and, and life life beat him. And I was fucking miserable at work. I was hating everything. I was unhappy. I was experiencing severe kind of mental health issues and really doubting myself and when he passed away I was like you know what I need to quit this job I need to improve my life I need to be happier I need to be more fulfilled because he got a mole cut out of his leg and three years later was dead you know what does this mean for the rest of us I can't just keep doing these things that make me unhappy you know there's a lyric in Gone With The Wind hope is a prison and I'm not sure I necessarily agree entirely with that idea but there's times where I'm like yeah you know that's you can't just hope for things. You actually have to go out there and do it. So for him to pass away like that really kind of lit a fire under me. It wasn't that I'd been so attached to him personally, but what it meant was very profound and actually led to some improvement in my life because of that. So I think that's the really thing, the big thing that people don't understand sometimes when an artist passes away. It's not that you're just like obsessed with them or love them. It's just that it can mean so much to you and your life at that time. So I'm always really mindful not to get like, Too harsh on people when you know David Bowie dies and they're devastated, or you know, 20 years on they're still thinking of George Harrison's anniversary of his death or John Lennon or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, I I think you touch on an element of it that is a little bit unique, which which is just how young Tom Tom was. You know, this is a a guy who was 28. Did you say? I think when he when he passed away, so you know a lot of other artists that, that pass away uh, and ha- and fans that have those connection to those artists and continue to, and even some of the examples you gave, generally are people who are a bit older. And not not that there's any kind of age that makes something more or less sad or more or less connected to someone passing. Everyone experiences things differently. But there really is something a little bit more unique about when someone who at 28 passes away from something that just seems so at the time you know he he was he was getting a mold checked that was that was removed and then unfortunately the diagnosis wasn't overly great and he went on this three-year battle uh where the, where the cancer was more uh more advanced than he probably hoped uh you know like i've, I've got a personal connection to, to to this a little bit different from you but um I'm someone who uh from even a much younger age than 28 but but was I was diagnosed with, with cancer when I was only 12. Um, and yeah, that, that's probably even a, a totally different experience again. Um, but went through, uh, I guess by the time uh, this was happening with Tom, I'd had three uh, further cancer di- diagnoses and had major surgery and chemotherapy and all these things. And probably on the surface, much, much worse uh, uh, prognosis at the time um, than, than probably a, a, a melanoma in its first instance in someone. Uh, but you know through great uh, doctors and and things kind of out of my hands uh, was was lucky enough to still be here and, and it not ultimately um, you know get any worse uh, than it than it was. I also even had a melanoma myself. Uh, it would have been after, I think it would have been after Tom, but had a, had a melanoma removed from my back. Only a few years ago, um, and then had to have some surgery and some more extensive, like lymph nodes taken. Luckily, it wasn't advanced enough uh, to need chemotherapy or radiation, but it very easily could have been. You know, there there would have been nothing that someone like Tom would have done any different to someone like me. He's probably a white boy like me. Maybe spent a bit too much time in the sun as a kid. Uh, not, not with proper sun protection, or just by chance. Sometimes bad shit happens to people, and that's more what it seems like in this case. So, yeah, I guess both of us have had um, very personal connections to, to you know, someone like Tom dying, and and the the aspect behind how he died, uh, affecting us personally in two very different ways. But yeah, it was, um, it, it was really you know, big news at the time and it was really sad and the, I think a big part of it too was that we really didn't know. As you, as you said, like fans really didn't know uh, that this was going on and, and I, I would, just speaking from my own personal experience, I don't find that that unusual. I think when people are going through something so awful uh, as, as their outwardly facing person, they don't want other people to really know that. They're like, I'm battling this shit behind the scenes in, in my own personal world but when i'm outside of that i just want to try and be as normal as possible i want to so for tomobil i want to fucking play as many gigs as i can play i want to keep writing music i want to tour when i can yes there's going to be periods when i'm when i'm too sick to do so of which you know now looking back they're ultimately probably the reasons why he was missing shows and wasn't present some of the time we didn't really always know what was what was going on but i yeah i don't i don't mind that i really i, I think that's that's how a lot of people would would deal with uh so some people do go down a really bad path and it consumes all of them it, it really does become who they are as a person is their disease and they really just fall into that that is their entire life and other people and i think i think the majority generally faced with that type of adversity find a way to go all right i need to do these things like i need to go to these appointments i need to take this medication i need to have this surgery because I need to try and get better, but also I need to still live my life. I need to still on the other side, you know, kind of get on with things and enjoy things when they are good. And, and that takes your mind off stuff. And it it just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's huge though. And, And the fact that architects could go through that as a band and not even just as a band, but as twin brothers and this to happen to your twin and the band was still able to, continue you know they were still able to continue and have success like yeah that that's that's that would have been incredibly difficult i can imagine
0: definitely firstly i'm really grateful that you were able to share that with me and i think it's really nice obviously you and i are great friends and go back a long way but it's always good when men can speak about how they're feeling and things they've gone through because ultimately that's really important architects did persevere And persist beyond Tom's death and I was gonna take a moment here to read the statement that his brother Dan wrote but I think what I'll do instead is I'll link that in the show notes along with um, one of the first performances by the band after Tom's death where Sam the lead vocalist does a speech about it because the crowd and fan response was really moving basically architects announced Tom's death And kind of went quiet for two months. And people respected that. People were not asking where they were or what they were up to or when they were coming back or what they were doing. They let them grieve. And it's really interesting to look at interviews with Tom around the All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us. There's kind of like a three-part YouTube series that Epitaph put out where he's talking about the freedom he felt, how easily he wrote this record. And I think that's really quite beautiful. The way the band spoke about his death, the way Tom wrote this record... I think it's really, really profound. And I think if anyone cares about architects or cares about art, really, and the way, you know, death can be expressed through art, I think it's a rabbit hole worth going down, you know, reading about his death, reading that statement, watching how the band responded and watching how they moved on from there. Because interestingly, the first tour they were going to play without Tom was in Australia. They were to support Bring Me The Horizon, and you and I had tickets to that show. And then Ollie from Bring Me The Horizon got sick, sadly cancelling the Architect shows. I remember, like, kind of, in a way, being, like, desperate for some closure and to be part of that experience with the band because they kind of mourned quite publicly. Like, they had their personal, private little couple of months, but then they hit the road again. They went into it, and they did their mourning with the fans. And I see a lot of bands do that this, these days. And there were times where, like, I remember there was a show where Sam said, it's like, this could be the last time we do this. These bands don't know what they're going to do. Linkin Park, We Came As Romans, Architects. Like, when a core member of the band dies, it could be really easy to pack it up. But they kind of did the exact opposite. So Dan, the drummer, is just like, all right, well, Tom's gone now. I need to do that work. And so he, t- he learnt guitar and started writing the lyrics. So the next two records, Holy Hell in, I think 2018, and which features a song called Doomsday, which was half written by Tom, which is really, really cool. And the lyrics are kind of about him, but written by Dan now. And then for those who wish to exist, which is the record now, again, written by the drummer. Now, I just think that's incredible. Like I just don't know a band that has kind of rotated through primary songwriters the way this band has, whilst getting better and better and it not affecting the art. Like, I'm kind of critical of the fact that Fallout Boy's lyrics are written by someone who doesn't sing them. That's not the case for architects. I love that different people have written these records, and I love what that represents for the music they're putting out.
1: Yeah, it shows, um, like I, read, I was reading this week, that they've always kind of uh, said that every record should be its own thing. Uh, you know, not necessarily that it should be... Um, you know completely unique and with no connection to anything they've done prior or anything that will come after just saying that it's its own thing like a record's a big deal to put together and and it was really interesting reading as well They they did say that they weren't really going to just release stuff for the sake of it they weren't going to really just write music for the sake of it they really wanted to keep you know honoring Tom's professionalism and honoring his kind of work ethic and put out songs that were worth putting out and ultimately putting out songs that they felt tom would be proud of if he was still in the band and like i i didn't listen to uh so much of which one holy hell is that what you said it was called yeah but i did listen to a bit of this year's you know latest release um for those who wish to exist and it it is probably architect's most uh dare i say lincoln park-esque take on metal which just and we've just come
0: full circle back to that kind of new metal stuff haven't we like that's what everyone's doing
1: that's what everyone's doing really that new new metal take more and stepping a bit further away from the metal core sound that that architects have been so well known for so i didn't mind especially at at album number nine you know at, at some point uh, I guess they were always going to take that risk. You mentioned they, they did kind of do it a little bit earlier. It wasn't necessarily a, uh, a, a um, new metal sound, but earlier in their in their career, they did try and drop that album that was a it bit was a more bit emo rock. Yeah, a bit yeah. more emo rock, a bit more pop rock, uh, and it fell a bit flat. Uh, new metal, really, we're finding these days when when metal bands release more of that new metal sound, it doesn't really fall flat. People get yeah, into it. Yeah, it's back, and, baby. It's back. Yeah, it, it, it's back hard. And, you know, Animals got dropped last year on commercial radio in Australia being played. It was nearly being played every day there for a bit. They played that song so much. Um, and as you said, this this album went to number one for these guys. So they're they're
0: doing something right. This band has really taken it up a notch and certainly deserve all the credit and acclaim they're finally getting
1: well we're talking about brothers we're talking about brothers in bands uh we got it we got a unique shinfo this week but i i thought let's do another game Do do you want to do another little quiz to finish things off a bit yeah boy
0: this is the quiz
1: All right, for this week's quiz number two, um, I've titled it Band of Brothers, and it has nothing to do with the TV series or the book of oh, the same I name. some
0: David Schwimmer <laughs> references, man. Yeah,
1: some Schwimmer references, some war references. Uh, haven't gone down that path, but instead just put together some multiple choice questions of bands that include brothers. So uh, we'll get stuck into it. I've got eight questions for you, and uh, we'll kick things off with question one. Kings of Leon comprises of three brothers and a cousin. And I want you to pick the imposter. Can you pick the cousin from the lineup? So I'll give you the four members. We've got Caleb on vocals and guitar, Matthew on lead
0: guitar, Nathan on drums, and Jared on bass. Caleb's a brother. I'm, I'm going to say it's a drummer or a bass player because who's the most replaceable? It's the <laughs> bass player. The bass player is the imposter, isn't he? Is he the cousin? <laughs> The bass player is not the cousin. Duh, no, no, no. Sorry, the why cousin, do you criticize bass players?
1: <laughs> the cousin, surprisingly, is Matthew, the lead guitarist. So oh, my God. So not really uh, replaceable. Uh, a super no. integral core, core member of the band. I yeah. so wrong. Um, all right, question two. Uh, who is the older Gallagher brother, Liam or Noel?
0: Ooh, it's got to be Noel, right? It is Noel. So yeah, yeah Noel, he's Noel the born sensible in 67
1: one. and Liam born in 72. So a little five-year-age five, five year oh, gap there. I
0: didn't realize the gap was that big. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah what a bunch of go. twats, by the way. Oh.
1: <laughs> Couple of twats. Very good word to, to use to associate to you uh, to UK brothers. So fucking twats. <laughs> All right, we're question three. True or false? The Chemical Brothers are actually brothers. False. It is false. Yeah, they are not brothers. Uh, they're they're actually sisters. <laughs> 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 they're just two dudes doing their thing. All right, here's a question. I think you'll really, really like. So let's go. Uh, Hanson is obviously made up of brothers and uh, Isaac Taylor and Zach. And just a little shout out to their creative parents for going. Fuck, we've got an Isaac. You know what else we need? A Zach. Fucking <laughs> hell. I'd never really thought about that too much. But gee, that's lazy. If um, they had a
0: fourth kid, would it have been I Taylor?
1: Yeah, I Taylor. <laughs> Or just Tay. Fucking hell. <laughs> um, uh, so the, these three brothers, uh, as well as being um, pop stars, uh, they actually run a business together. And I want you to see if you can pick which business they run. So do they run a carpentry business? Do they run a burger chain, a beer line, or a fashion line?
0: Ooh. I was trying to be really crafty and think of like an m-bop pun pun then, but it's too early in the morning. So... I think, sincerely, a beer line. Man, you
1: have nailed it. And not only that, you couldn't be more spot on with the bop pun. Now that you know it's a beer line, do you think you know the name of what their beer line is?
0: hops. It is a hops. No. Oh, yes. 100% man. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: Oh my God. Yes. That is what my stupid dad joke brain has been working towards my whole life. Knowing yeah. a Hanson related <laughs> beer business pun. I can retire from everything now. Man. Yeah, man. Thank that, you. That's you Thank done. You. Sign out now.
1: <laughs> Check out. That was perfect. Yeah. I think it's like Hanson Brothers is like the actual, uh, I guess, larger company. But the line of, <laughs> line of beers is called Mhops
0: oh so, yes Damn. that is awesome oh, dude, mad so love good. to those dudes I, like they were a band i loved as a kid because i was seven and like they just seemed to be really wholesome lovely dudes right on
1: yeah yeah amazing there's a cool picture i just saw when i was It's just the three of them sitting at a bar drinking a, a, a nice soupy craft beer and they just got big smiles on their face and fucking hats off to handsome right oh, on like, yeah yeah uh, all right, I'm actually keeping track now. So you got three three from four. I'm really bad at keeping track of your scores sometimes. So uh, three from four is really good. Uh, question five, um, a little bit more of a serious note here, but we'll go, which Madden brother from good Charlotte fame had an illegal relationship with Hillary Duff? As in that they were 25 at the time and she was 16 at the time.
0: Gross, uh, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, do you know which brother... Uh, was involved with Hillary. I don't, so I'm going
0: to guess Joel Madden. I've got a 50-50 chance.
1: 50-50, you've done very well. It is Joel Madden, yeah. So Joel is now married to Nicole Richie and Benji married to Cameron Diaz. So They've always uh, stuck around these celebrity uh, relationships. But yeah, there was really no... um no slack kind of copped towards him at, at the time. Even Hillary's, I think, mum came out and supported the relationship at the time. Uh, the media supported it. Every, the industry supported it. I think they only dated for like a year or so. But yeah, considering like some of the stuff that's coming out more recently.
0: There's no doubt in my mind that there's a lot of people in this scene and adjacent to this scene who must be sweating their asses off given their behaviour towards women in only, you know, as recently as in the last decade. I think we have learnt a lot in the last few years, but I think we are continuing to learn that not everyone is as kind of lovely and nice and innocent as they seem. And it really wasn't that long ago that some people that we have had on pedestals were doing some really dumb shit and some really illegal shit and some really inappropriate shit.
1: Without uh, drawing too many parallels and and the uh slightly creepy behavior maybe that michael jackson is associated with question six is about uh michael jackson so it's michael jackson started his singing career obviously in his family band the jackson five but i'm interested to know paul can you name any of the other members of the group can you name any other jackson brother
0: Phil Jackson, the coach of the Lakers and the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> uh, Mark Jackson, the former coach of the Golden State Warriors. Um, Jacko Jackson, that Australian celebrity. Um, I think mm, mm, Mark these, Jacko Jackson. I don't know. Yeah, are these yeah, the, are yeah. these the these brothers you're really,
1: looking for? These are all really good Jacksons. However, <laughs> none, none of the Michael Jackson DNA brother uh, <laughs> realm. Unfortunately, no. I feel bad over. I can't not one i can't no. even so, remember
0: his dad's name
1: yeah but the guy that like started the whole thing shit i can't remember that dude speaking of
0: bad know. guys <laughs> yeah i don't think it was very good, very <laughs> richard jackson it's not that <laughs> <laughs> it's something it's
1: something we'll, we'll come back to uh we'll come back to that maybe. We'll, we'll no i don't later.
0: have a single brother's name in mind like i can picture them because they're a bit older than him right he was the youngest yeah he was, um, yeah, there
1: was, yeah there was the, the other younger one was Marlon. I can't exactly... I think Michael was the youngest, but Marlon also quite young. But there was, yeah, Jackie, uh, Taito or Tito and Jermaine. I thought you might have known Jermaine. Jermaine. Jermaine, Jermaine yep. Jackson. Um, I feel so bad. You, anyway, anyway, no, no, no <laughs> bonus points there for uh, your other amazing Jacksons um, that you've put out into the world. Uh, all right, all right. We'll continue this Brothers theme. Uh, so Brothers Chad and Michael Kroger uh, both formed... Uh, Nickelback. Beautiful, beautiful band, Nickelback. Um, I your pants around (laughs) your feet. Do you ever. Uh, So how did the band come up with their name? So I've got four options for you. Uh, Was it that Mike worked at Starbucks and would frequently use the phrase to customers, here's your Nickelback, when giving them their change? Is it the name of a Led Zeppelin song, which is actually how the band started with playing Led Zeppelin and Metallica covers? Is it their mother's maiden name or is it the name of their childhood dog?
0: All right. I like how benign the Starbucks story is. That's really grabbed my attention. The mother's maiden name thing is nice because I'm pretty sure Nickelback are like way nicer dudes than they get credit for. As much as I would love to rag on them. (laughs) Um, Check out the Baccio Death Trip episode on Nickelback that just came out recently. Um, I'm going to go with the Starbucks one. That sounds lame man, you are good on this
1: quiz. It is 100%. Yep. So Mike Mike worked at Starbucks and would just regularly say that phrase, here's your Nickelback, and just kind of went with that, took that to the members and said, oh, well, we'll Nickelback, I guess. And they're like, yeah, okay, we'll
0: go with Nickelback. I mean, it is hard to come up with a band name. I mean, this show is called Violence and Sunshine, which was a terrible name for a band that I got off a magazine cover. So I can't really criticize, can I? No,
1: you can No, you've got free reign to criticize <laughs> and I will. as much as you want. <laughs> I like the dirt that's on your knees. <laughs> what are they singing about there? Yeah, I'm not too sure. Gross about shit. The, those lyrics. <laughs> All right, we've got one last question. You're doing really well. I think you've got five from seven. Um, so to round things out here, uh, what was the name of the Disney movie that the Jonas Brothers starred in? You know, this is, this is a bit earlier on in their career. Was the movie Bandcamp? Radio Rebel, Camp Rock, or High School Musical
0: Two. I reckon it's Camp Rock. It is Camp Rock. Do yeah, you actually boy, know I'm that? So, nah. I'm glad you gave me the options. Like, it, 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 as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh, I've seen the cover of that. When I worked at Target But yeah uh, as When yet. you said it I was shaking here I had that like <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen That BBC clip Where they cut to like An expert on the Iraq war And it's the wrong guy And he's just like Oh, <laughs> oh shit, Don't ask me <laughs> I don't I know much then. I'm not a Jonas expert <laughs> 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 um,
1: The others are, Other than Bandcamp Which I think I made up But Radio Rebel And obviously High School Musical 2 Are other Disney movies But you have received A total of Six out of eight My friend Very well done on the Band of Brothers.
0: Thank you. That was a wonderful quiz, man. Awesome fun.
1: <laughs> all right. So, uh, you know, this episode is all about architects and and probably a little bit different for us um, with this band. I would say nearly every other band we've covered, either I was kind of more into them and, and showed you to get you more into them, or you were more into them and showed me. But that is not the case with architects. And it's actually our good... Uh, friend and bandmate from bands all the way through. We've talked about him a few times. o Spider Summer Brad. Uh, he was really the White one. White Tail. That got us in t- yeah. <laughs> all the names. All the all. Man, the it was
0: so good. The other day I was talking about Whitey to my mum, and she's like, "What's What's Whitey's first name again?" I'm like, <laughs> "It's Phil." And she's like, "Oh yeah, Phil White. That's <laughs> it." <laughs> Oh, I'm right. like, Mom, it's Brayden. <laughs> yeah, it's Brayden. Uh, You've known or him for like 15 um, years. Like, yeah, Phil White. That's, that's right. right.
1: <laughs> man, that's so good. That that really shows... He he really is a nickname guy, though, isn't he? Like yeah. there, there's people that are, have nicknames, but but it's, it's both. You know, it's nickname. He's really a nickname guy. Everyone has their own nickname for him, of which there's a list quite extensive. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Braddon. I don't, I don't, I'm glad that you're able to trick Jude into a bit of Phil White. And we have just now got a new nickname for Whitey, which is Phil.
0: Phil. So. I also told my mom a few years ago that Mitt Romney's full name was Mittens Romney, and she completely bought it. So Mittens. It's, it's, oh, it's, a, it's a running theme. But yeah, thanks to Whiteo for getting us into this band. I, I think it was very inspiring. He was kind of listening to them from day one and even came to uh, see the architects with us out in the Kingston Hall, we went to an all-ages show where House versus Hurricane, Architects, and Parkway Drive played together. And do you remember, we missed House vs. Hurricane because it was an all-ages show, like we were in our 20s. They were doing like knife checks, they were patting everyone down and sending people through metal detectors, and we missed an entire band set because that's how long it took to get like felt up. The all-ages ones were really fun for hardcore bands because sometimes they'd play on the floor, the pit would be a little bit wilder because there was that cross and there wasn't necessarily the focus on doing that Melbourne thing of, you know, standing with a drink with your arms crossed and, and nodding your head. It's like a bit more chaos. You know, these kids are here to have a good time, but yeah, I think it was one of the last ones I went to after having to get patted, patted down in Melbourne <laughs> for a knife.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm the same. I, I don't think that may have been the, the death of the whole gig for both of us, I think. I don't think I've stepped foot in a... What else? What other reason would I have to step foot in a hall for unless it's a, a lovely, well-put-together hall gig? But uh, yeah, have you got anything else you really want to touch on with Architects?
0: I'm happy. I mean, they're, they're such a, they're such a great band and they've got such a long history and a lot of great records. I don't think um there's much more we can say.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to. I will just I I would like to put it on record. Obviously listened to a lot of uh architects this week and and went through, you know, many many albums, but I do really have a standout song I found. I've got a favorite song at, well, at the moment and and it's it's Downfall. Man, I I'm I'm sure you know the song, but it it's off all our gods and Downfall has got some of the catchiest fucking breakdown riff uh to to start a song and um yeah if you like me had missed out on a bit of architects yes there are nine albums you can go back and enjoy um but if you're a bit lazy and just want to go listen to one song that you maybe haven't before go go, go put on downfall and just have a real fucking good time
0: Absolutely. And of course, the link to our companion playlist is in the show notes. So you can go back and have a listen to some of our favorites if you want to. Yeah. Of which I will make sure Downfall is on that playlist. <laughs> we'll put it on there a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Put it on at the start and the
1: end. Why the fuck not? Uh, anyway, that's it this week for the Violence and Sunshine podcast. Uh, as always, most of our content uh, and information can be found on our Instagram at Violence and Sunshine. Um, and yeah, feel free to suggest an album or artist uh, via email, uh, violenceandsunshinepod at gmail.com or you can hit us up uh, via direct messenger on, uh, on Instagram and let us know what you're listening to or what you listened to back then, bands you wanna, want us to cover or albums that you want us to cover. It's always nice to hear from our listeners. Uh, and yeah, follow, subscribe, uh, keep in touch with everything we're, we're doing. We really appreciate it.
0: Thanks to Ruth for this week's Shinfo, and thanks to you, the listener. Tune in next week when we'll be exploring Emerosa. I'm Paul. And I'm Nick. Take care and don't forget, God knows I lost all my faith.